It's true, I am a traveler, a wanderer. I'm also an English teacher. I've taught on the East Coast, I've taught in Japan, taught on the West Coast, and of course, up here in Alaska. Some years ago, as I was finishing up a long-term sub-position in Kodiak, I got a call from my friend Sue, and she asked if I would be interested in coming to Kasiglik and you know, teaching for six to eight weeks. Sure, any time to hang out with Sue is a good time, so I said yes. So I got there, and one Sunday morning, she said, let's take the truck and drive into Bethel for supplies. I said, cool, okay. Of course, to drive into Bethel, you have to take the river road. And when I say the river road, I'm not talking about a paved highway. I'm talking about the river, frozen. Never done it before, so why not? So Sue called around, asked some of the neighbors, um, how do we get there? And they said, oh, someone had been there the day before, and it was really easy. The road was clear, okay, and all we had to do was pay attention to the markers, the post markers um, on our left. And follow that, it would take us into Bethel. It would take us, I don't know, maybe about an hour. So around noon or so, we left and thought, okay, about 20 minutes in, we hit a snowdrift. And we really went into the snowdrift. So we get out with shovels and we start, you know, digging out. And along came a couple of young men on their snow goes, and they stopped and helped, as people in Alaska will do. And they finished it for us and they went on their way. And then we, because we hadn't quite reached the point of no return, we talked about, should we just go on back to the village or should we head on into Bethel? Ah, we've got the time. Let's go on into Bethel. So we continued on and along the way we did encounter more snow drifts and frozen you know, stuff along the way. So we had to go bouncing up and over a lot of debris. And it was very, very strenuous and a bit traumatizing. So by the time we got to Bethel, we were both, I don't know, I guess we were emotionally and physically, we were drained. So before we went into the store, we were talking about, should we just spend the night here in Bethel and fly home in the morning and let someone come back and get the truck? We said, well, let's go in, see how we feel, and we could finish shopping. So we finished shopping, and it just so happens that in the store, that Sue saw some people from the village, and they said, oh, we're heading back, you can follow us. Good. So everyone went out and got into our trucks, and they said, oh, uh, you go ahead and start along because we have to stop off at friend's house or relatives for a few minutes. So we head on out of town, and of course, as the passenger, I had to pay attention to the postmarks because now they were on our right. And we drove for about 5, 10, 15 minutes, keep looking behind, no truck, no car, nothing. But that's okay. You know, we kept going, but we had the same problem, going up and over, you know, debris and frozen things. And so even though we know that the path is like this, we were veering a little bit more and more to the left because there's just too much stuff and drifts in the road. I don't know exactly when I realized it, but Sue, we got to turn around. I don't see any markers, okay? Well, we talked about, well, we'll go a little bit further. I'm sure that, you know, we'll just take and if we veer more to the right, we're going to get back on the path. That would have been fine, except the road going that way and the road we were on, there was a landmass in between. We never did make it back over there. 
So as we were driving, we were getting stuck numerous times. We'd stop, get out. I can't even tell you, 5, 10, 15 times we tried to dig out. And we'd go a few feet forward, and then the truck would sink in further. But there was something funny about the snow. It wasn't hard packed. It was kind of crystallized, and we didn't know why, but eventually we couldn't go any further. We were stuck. And way, way over there to the left, we saw a snow go. And so we're like, hey, hey, beep, 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 beep. But you know how it is, or how you've heard about on an ocean, two ships may pass, and they could be very close, but they don't see each other. Well, they didn't see us. And I remember about 5.30 or so, looking out and seeing the sun. It was brilliant, it was beautiful, and it was sinking, and in a few minutes, it was dark. Here we are, 5.30, 6 o'clock at night. We're out on the tundra, have no idea where we are, and it's going to be a very long night unless someone comes along. 6.30, 7.30, 8.30, 9 o'clock. We were almost out of gas because we kept turning it on, car on, getting a little bit of heat and turning it off. And of course, being that we were in the truck, we didn't really overexert ourselves about being, you know, really warmly clothed. I mean, we had snow pants, parkas, hats, gloves, the whole thing. But between us, I think we each had maybe two little packs of, you know, hand warmers. So I remember taking one and putting it here underneath my jacket and rubbing and hoping to stay warm and kept, you know, flexing the toes so, you know, you don't want any of those little digits to fall off. But, and I don't remember us having a whole lot of conversation while sitting there. It just, it was just going to be a really sucky night, okay. <laughs> Around 9.30, over in that same distance, it must have been a village that way, we saw a headlight of a snow go. Again, you know, beep, 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 lights flashing, and thank goodness it veered toward us. And it was a young man on a snow go, he was heading into town, and we explained our dilemma, though we didn't really have to explain, he could see it quite well for himself. <laughs> okay. And he was willing, he said when he got to the next town, he would tell them about us and they would hopefully send someone back for us. That was 9.30, around midnight, maybe a little bit afterwards, we heard two snowmobiles coming up, okay? Guys came up to our rec rescuers. They came and they had the gear for us. We got into something really warm because, you know, the temperature at night is somewhere between minus 20 and minus 30 degrees. So we really were very, very cold. But they took us into town, dropped us off at the school, and the school was prepared. They knew we were coming. And they had beds for us, they had food, they had warm drinks, and we spent the night there. Next morning, we caught the first plane back to our village. <laughs> and whoever was going to get the truck, thank you, but we weren't heading back there. Um, people have asked me, and they said, well, weren't you afraid that you were going to die? I said, no, my life never passed in front of my eyes. Yeah. I just thought that it was going to be really, really cold. It was going to be a horrible night that I was going to end up with pneumonia. Sue would be fine because she's much hardier than I am. But I said, that's just the way it is. Okay. But what I did think about was that I had been incredibly stupid and incredibly lucky. Stupid because I didn't think about the possibility of getting stuck, so I had not brought along any survival gear. Okay. But incredibly lucky because we know that Mother Nature can be very unforgiving. We got that one chance, and I won't make that mistake again.